For the most entertaining talk anywhere, stay tuned to LA Talk Radio, your real talk station, your real 24 hours of commercial free programming. Like a homeless man trying to change his life. The Green Room is brought to you today by LegalZoom.com, the leader in self-help legal documents. Make sure to use referral code Green to get a discount at checkout. And now, live from Studio City, California, the host of the Green Room. Sean Green! Alright, welcome everyone to the Green Room. We're doing it live here on LA Talk Radio. Thank you everyone for tuning in. We have an amazing show for you today. Goddamn amazing, Logan. Well, we have uh, yeah. we have Paul Cross calling in. He has a uh, documentary about the events of 9-11. Very interesting film. And we also have Billy Mays III calling in. Um, son of uh, Billy Mays, obviously. You can uh, see him on the Pitchman show. But first off, obviously, what everyone's talking about, what just happened hours ago, mere hours ago, this is coming from CNN. This is almost as big as it gets in the world of, of pop culture and celebrities uh, passing away. And, and on, on such a day when we uh, witnessed the death of uh, Farrah Fawcett earlier today, uh, obviously it comes quite unexpected. You've been talking uh, with Jim Murray about uh, Michael Jackson's plans to be appearing on stage. He had scheduled a number of shows in London that were supposed to take place. There were some delays in getting those uh, underway, but all indications were those were going to go forward later on the summer, and he's been working very busily uh, in Los Angeles uh, in rehearsals for those concerts. First off, uh, Logan, did you know this, that Lou Ferrigno was training Michael Jackson before this went down? No. Lou Ferrigno from the Hulk. makes sense. No, it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> that he was sen- in the, went to the hospital? Yeah. It doesn't make any <laughs> sense at all. I mean, I, you know. No, I, no, no. It, I'm just saying for him, whatever he went to the hospital for, I'm sure it had something to do with that. <laughs> well, it was a cardiac arrest, but... Really, this does not look well for Lou Ferrigno as a trainer. Yikes. You know, you you just start training a guy. Well, you know, one week later he dies of cardiac arrest. A man in his fifties. But let's keep listening. Wolf. And describe in the world of entertainment how huge Michael Jackson, despite the problems, despite the trial, despite all of that, how huge he is. I love how he has to throw to the other guy to describe. Oh, you're a showbiz expert. Please give us give us some idea how big Michael Jackson is. Oh my god! Like Wolf Blitzer, an accredited newsman, can't give you any sort of <laughs> angle on how big Michael Jackson is. We have to throw it over to the showbiz reporter. He's got to keep it neutral. <laughs> yeah, but that's not even uh, I, the, whatever your opinion is on Michael Jackson. I'm going to get into it more, obviously. But obvi- we know he's huge. We know he's huge. We don't need that part of the story. Well, that's the point with Michael Jackson is despite the fact that that was always a part of his story, at, at least for you know the, the last oh, 15 or so years. What a, great, what a great part of your story. Yeah, that. <laughs> he wouldn't even address actually what that is. I know. Oh, that. Oh, that, that molestation. Was. Yeah, that was always part of his story. What a, what a great legacy. He always transcended that part of the story. He was always still the king of pop. Nobody ever said you are no longer the king of pop because of... I say it right now. You're not the king of pop. <laughs> yeah, granted you were. 
But I'm sorry. Okay, we'll give you the one. The one the one child molestation. You pay a guy twenty two million dollars in nineteen ninety three. But the second one, come on. And I love how this guy, this CNN reporter, automatically becomes the authority on who is the king of pop, who isn't, and then whether or not he can take his crown away. Your legal troubles because of your financial difficulties. Michael Jackson, who started... Right, that's, that's what people have... That's what's going to tarnish his legacy, is financial problems. Started out as this child star that we all fell in love with uh, decades and decades ago, managed to build this very strong career in, into adulthood. And, and yeah, as Jim Murray was saying a moment ago, we all waited for the comeback. And I think every single one of us, Wolf, in the. No, don't speak. Don't say every single one of us. <laughs> entertainment business and fans alike. I, I think we all expected. I'm in the entertainment business. I did not expect a comeback. I did not expect a relevant album coming out from Michael Jackson. Yet, you can't deny his ability as an artist. He was one of the most groundbreaking musical performers. You could make an argument that he was the most groundbreaking musical performer of all time. But that doesn't, I I don't know, in my mind, that doesn't give you a free pass for everything your entire life. One day, he would actually be able to pull that off. And we really were looking forward to these concerts this summer because he seemed so singularly focused. We were really looking forward to these concerts this summer. Don't speak with the collective we, showbiz reporter. All right, let let me let me the discerning music listener have my own goddamn opinion about whether or not I'm looking forward to these concerts. Weren't we rec- reporting a few weeks ago that these this, these concerts were children's choir concerts? Oh, by the way, just two weeks ago, <laughs> just two weeks ago, we did a story where Michael Jackson was requesting what kind of kids he wanted for his choir, yeah, how old they had race. to be. And he had him picking out by race. I had a line about you know it's like Van Halen describing what kind of M and M's they want backstage. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He was a great artist, but that doesn't give you that doesn't give you the right to do whatever you want. And not, where is the public shame? This man should have been shamed out of the public 15 years ago. He's the king. Yeah, I know he's the king. I've read everyone's <laughs> Facebook updates. I've read every goddamn celebrity Twitter. Uh, you know, some of this. <laughs> Miley Cyrus. He inspired me to what I am today. Ludacris. Ludacris said he couldn't have done it. He wouldn't be where he's at today without Michael Jackson. First off, now, Ludacris, aren't you supposed to be a gangster rapper? Come on, have some sort of thug image. Don't, I don't know. It's ludicrous. On showing the world that he still is, in fact, one of the biggest stars in the world. It it is as big as... He is a star. He is a star. John and Kate are stars. All right, but there there is a time when he was a star for what he did, not just for this crazy bullshit. As it gets... (laughs) Okay, that's it for the clip. But obviously you can see my opinion on the – it's not even an issue for most people. Um, Look, I I don't know. I just feel feel like regardless of how successful you are as an artist, that doesn't give you free reign to do whatever you want. You know, someone, a famous person, had a quote that said, um, artists are judged on a separate morality scale than other people. Yeah, that's true. No, it's not true, Logan. Do you know who said that? An artist. Woody Allen said that. You know why Woody Allen said that? Because he married his stepdaughter because he's a creepy son of a bitch. And he had pictures of her and there was alleged molestation there. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, dude. I've seen worse. (laughs) Okay. Obviously, there are are worse things out there. But I, I don't know. I just don't see giving him a free pass. Let's... Yeah, all right, fine. You can celebrate his music, but I, I don't know. I just don't... 
you know, and you then know, you know what? He's molesting in heaven right now. That's all that matters. <laughs> <laughs> I love Logan. Logan just looking to take an optimistic spin on it, regardless. <laughs> Logan, what's your take on this? Um. Well, he's the third celebrity to die this week. Ed McMahon died earlier too, as well as first Farrah Fawcett. Farrah Fawcett, War- awful timing for Farrah Fawcett. Oh, and now you're just gonna see. I, I worked out in Hollywood, and now just that Hollywood is just congested with these oh. crazy folks. It was funny because earlier today, everyone was set up outside the Farrah Fawcett star doing a live broadcast. There were, <laughs> there were flowers everywhere, notes on the Hollywood star. And then now, 300 yards down from that is another madhouse where the Michael Jackson, the Jackson family star is. Wow. Oh, he doesn't have a star? I don't think he has his own star. I think the Jackson 5 have a star. There's something where actually, this is a, this is typical Hollywood bullshit where if you, it, Getting the star is just a PR move. Like it's five grand that you have right. to pay. Yeah. So I think he just never he never wanted to get the star. At the end of the day, I don't think I don't think kids make up claims about being molested. I really don't. Obviously, there were the nefarious characters that were these. Uh, yeah, you the know, second one was questionable or whatever. But I don't know. Why are you still hanging out with kids? You shouldn't be allowed to. I mean. Uh. How did they? <laughs> when he's requesting more kids for the for the I think England, I think it's when he's I, requesting more kids for the England concert. How does that not? How does that not garner more outrage? How how morally bankrupt are you to send your kid to do anything with Michael Jackson, let alone hang out with him? I think the King of Pop died a long time ago, and the guy that just now died. Honestly, the world's probably a better place without him around. I'm not, who's I'm, your, I'm gonna say who's it. your who's your King of Pop, Logan? King of Pop, uh, I don't, um, JT. JT? Who's <laughs> JT? Know. Justin Timberlake. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was just trying yeah, to think of the he first didn't, person. He didn't take anything from Michael Jackson. If you, I don't know, feel free to give us a call, 323-203-0815. I just feel, I don't know, I feel like I'm going, you know, people look at me like I'm in the, I'm like a cold-hearted asshole because I don't feel sympathetic for what, for uh, you know, all intents and purposes, is most likely a pedophile. Yeah. And, uh, you know, people bring up, oh, he was acquitted by a jury of his peers. Who in that jury is a peer of Michael Jackson? You, you can't find 12 people yeah. in this country <laughs> that, that can peer, that are considered a, a peer group of Michael Jackson. He's on a whole nother stratosphere. And, uh, yes, obviously he was abused as a kid. Obvious, obviously there were problems at home. Obviously... Mentally, a lot of issues. And, and perhaps maybe that was a fuel for his inspiration as an artist. But I still don't think that gives you a pass to do whatever you want morally. And especially to a kid. Sucks for me. <laughs> Why does it suck for you, Logan? I don't know. <laughs> That's how I was planning on living my life, actually. Living your life? Oh, is that why you want to get famous? It's why I want to get molested so I can do whatever I want. <laughs> So that you can, in well, maybe maybe Michael Jackson created some chain reaction. Like the kids he molested are now going to go out and molest. Oh, man. They're going to become huge stars because they got molested. Then they're going to molest other stars. It's this vicious cycle. Well, people don't even think about. He has kids. He has tons of kids. Oh well, I'm sure. I'm sure they're going to be fine. <laughs> Blank, blanket and the other one he dangled. Blanket. Oh my god! Imagine this is your life. You dangle a baby over a three foot balcony, and that's the least weird thing. 
<laughs> that's that's happened in your life dangling dangling your infant over a three foot or three story balcony rather yeah not three feet i don't know say, if you, it's not that bad yeah three feet come on we've all we've all dangled, we've all dangled a baby we've there. all dangled a baby over three feet but honestly where's the sh- god i just as a society and especially as hollywood we're just we're just so uh, just so ready to let things go and oh hey he's he's an artist hey they're different yeah, well, yeah, he's not touching your kid. He's not sucking your kid's gotta, dick. <laughs> maybe your maybe your feelings say, will change. Though, I gotta say though, I really don't think the guy represents most people. Most people, are pro- <laughs> well, let's no, let's, let's I mean, hope most not. Most people don't. Mo- yeah, most let people it slide. I don't think you know. No, I think there's a lot of people who are giving who gave and are giving Michael Jackson a lot of leeway. But it's less than half of people. I don't know. I guess. I guess. Obviously, I have a skewed perspective living in L.A. A lot yeah, of people. L.A. is not like the rest of the country. I don't think at all. <laughs> right. Obviously, as it's far a, as it's a separate rule people, base. But yeah. as a society, we should look to shame these people, <laughs> it, regardless of your accomplishments. Yeah. I mean, the, these corporate executives that are making millions of dollars. Bernie Madoff. You know, the, their shame. We hate him as a society. We're rallying around. That's, there should have been that same outcry w- over these original allegations. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I get, like, when... Because that... Yeah, I don't know. Of course. I mean, of course you're right. But as much as... Um, well, I don't know. What, what are we going to do next? <laughs> no, I'm just saying, if I was a pedophile right now, if I'm facing charges, I'm... I'm sitting down with a pad and paper. I'm trying to come up with a catchy tune. Because this is a horrible <laughs> message we send to our society that, hey, hey, if you can make people dance, you can you can touch kids. That that's what we've let happen. I feel like what Bernie Madoff did affected like tons of people and what Michael Jackson did didn't affect as many people. But, but it's a horrible example. But it's horrible. Yeah. It's worse actually. Pedophiles are looking at Michael Jackson and go, hey, Mike can do it. Why can't I? I'm a, I'm a tortured artist. Some some pedophile out there right now is sitting with his Pro Tools trying to come up with a song and saying, hey, if it worked for Mike, maybe it'll work for me. Maybe that's the source of his inspiration. <laughs> maybe. I just, uh, I don't know. Yeah, Michael got away with it too. So right now, I'm sure there's a madhouse on Hollywood Boulevard. These people, <laughs> they do you know the uh, Bruno premiere is going on? The Bruno premiere is scheduled for... Actually, I think it probably already happened, but right down at Hollywood... China, the Man's Chinese Theater, right, right outside of where the uh, the morning is going. <laughs> I'm just, I just pictured all the camera crews and flowers just being picked up from the Farrah Fawcett star and just chucked down 300 yards. Man, it must be a circus over there right now. And, uh, yeah, I mean, if Bruno... Sasha Barracone, if he had a great sense of humor, he would go down there right now and totally mess with these people. I'm sorry. Call me crazy, but if pedophilia. He if he did have a sense of humor. Yeah, which obviously he does. Obviously, you know. End of the story. Pedophilia is wrong. And uh, that's all I have to say. And I don't, th- I don't think that's too much. <laughs> I don't think I'm crazy. I'm tired of feeling fucking crazy that I, that I think touching guys is wrong. <laughs> All right, speaking of touching guys, this next guy has hopefully never been accused of molestation. He is Paul Cross, a uh, filmmaker. So uh, let's take this call here, Logan. Paul, are you there? Yes, this is Paul. Hey, Paul, how's it going? Uh, Welcome to the Green Room. I'm your host, Sean, and uh, I'm here with my buddy Logan. How's it going? Co-host. Hey, Logan, how are you doing? I'm great. How about yourself? 
uh, thanks for calling. I'm perfect, thank you. <laughs> thanks for calling in, Paul. Paul is here to talk about his new DVD, Severe Visibility. You can uh, pick it up at severevisibility.com. Well, Paul, let's uh, let's take it from the start. Where did you get this? Since where were you on nine eleven, Paul? <laughs> well, on nine eleven, I was actually um, in Washington D.C. Um, I was there to make a documentary at the White House, um, which was four days in the life of the President of the United States. Not necessarily George Bush, but he happened to be president then, so obviously he was the star of the show. Yeah, <laughs> unfortunately. And we were there um, for oh months doing this this documentary. And on nine eleven, we had um, we had stayed in Washington D.C. as opposed to coming back to Hollywood to do our post work, our editing, because every time I was scheduled to have a sit down talk with Bush. They'd have to cancel, and they'd reschedule, and this went on for three times. So I said, well, let's do the post-production in Washington, then we'd be po- close to the White House when they call again. So um, on 9-11, I was in um, a place called Henninger's Studio uh, in Georgetown, and um, in between the, the, the studio was the White House on, on to the left, and then to the right was the Pentagon. So I went down to get a cup of coffee, and I was watching some all these people standing around in the break room looking at the TV set. So I just got my coffee and nonchalantly walked up, and I could see it was the World Trade Center, and they were both smoking. And I, I just, for some reason, because I was in a, a studio, and because I knew that in 93 the Pentagon had been hit, I thought they're probably doing a documentary about that. So I didn't, I didn't give it too much notice. And so I wait, said to the woman standing next. Oh, so you saw someone? Wa- oh, sorry to interrupt. You saw someone watching a monitor, and you saw the the twin towers smoking, and ju- you kind of were walking by, and you just said, "Oh, okay, they're probably working on a documentary." You're at like a studio uh, production company. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. So I turned to the woman next to me, and I said, "What are you guys watching?" Very nonchalant, didn't give it too much thought, and she said, "Oh." A plane, I think she said a plane, hit the the, um, World Trade Center. So I'm standing there, and I thought, now, how are they going to get that out of there? You know, I just didn't think, (laughs) and I said to her, is it a small plane? Is it a big plane? She she didn't know. Take the jaws of life and get this plane out of the building. Exactly. So I went upstairs back to the editing room, and... Uh, by the time I got back up there, um, my editor said, we better get back downstairs, something major just happened. So, went back downstairs, stood next to the same lady, watching the TV like everybody else was, and this time I only saw one tower. And very naively, like a little child, I said to her, what happened to the tower? And she said, it just fell. Well, then I knew something major was going on here. So for some reason they evacuated our building. I don't know why, because we were no 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 harm, no danger. Okay, there so, were no threats to anything. Okay, so you're at the production company. You see the first tower fall. They evacuate uh, you out of it. When does the when does the Pen- when does the Pentagon get hit? And where are you when the that? The Pentagon. Takes place? Yeah, the Pentagon was hit about the same time we were watching the television because they had someone said the Pentagon was hit, and then someone also said the Capitol was hit. And I think that's why they, they got us out of the building, because they were trying to close Washington, D.C., basically. 
So we had to leave the building, and I said to my partner, I said, let's go over to the Pentagon and see what's going on there. And then by that, by that time, we had seen news on the television that the Pentagon had been hit. There was no mention about the Capitol building whatsoever. So it took us literally hours to get over to the Pentagon. It was like, I would say, middle at, in the middle of the after afternoon by the time we got there. Okay, so you get... And I didn't think we... Sorry, you get over to the Pentagon afternoon of 9-11. What do you see there? I saw... It's not what I saw that bothered me. It's what I didn't see. We stood, We walked down this little hill. There was an apartment building. There was a parking lot. We walked down this hill. We got to the edge of the freeway. Directly across the freeway was the crash site. And we stood there for 10 minutes, my partner and I, and, and I turned to her after 10 minutes, and I said, something's really wrong here. <laughs> and she, and great, she said, great what? Great production and I said, skills. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and she said, what? And I said, well, where's the plane? I said, where's the indentation the plane would have made? How come these trees are up and these telephone poles are up? How come the, the opening is so small? Where's the plane? Where's the wreckage? Where's the seats, the baggage, the luggage carts, everything, the beverage carts? There was nothing there. So you didn't and then there were these cable spools sitting right in front of the opening. And I said, why are they there? How did they survive? So nothing made any sense. So what you're saying is that you were there, you saw, you saw the opening where, where um, the Pentagon had been hit, um, but you're saying you saw no evidence of a plane. You saw no path that the plane could have taken down. You saw no remnants from the leftover um, plane, nothing like that, no no shrapnel from the plane, no no obvious signs that a plane had been hit there. That's right, correct. Nothing. Nothing was there. Nothing Nothing at all was there. And In fact, the damage was minuscule compared to what a 757 would have done to that building or any building. Okay, so you see, but you see, you do see some damage. You see damage that you don't think could have been caused by a plane. You don't see, in your mind, any evidence of a plane. What do you think happened that day, then, Paul? What do you surmise? Well, I after doing a lot of research and looking at the pictures before that section of the wall had collapsed, which was a half hour after the impact, I am convinced it was a missile. In fact, if you look at the at, at the tape that the Pentagon released that is supposed to show this massive 757 striking hit, hitting the Pentagon, which you know is nothing even similar to it, all you see at the bottom of of the screen is a white plume of smoke going very quickly from screen right to screen left. That's the missile so that hit the building. Now, if it was a missile, who do you think was responsible for the missile, and how how they shoot it into the sidewall of the Pentagon there? Well, I think the U.S. was responsible for it. I think a faction of the government did this. I think the United States Air Force and the rest of the military knew nothing about it because there were so many um, um, false alarms that, that day. They were running tests all morning long that depicted the actual sim exact same thing happening to two tall skyscrapers in Manhattan and they had done the same thing with the Pentagon, had done, um, I, I, I'm going up here on the, on the word, um, mock, mock runs, so, so to speak. And they did that because they didn't want anyone to, to, to strike back. Now, Paul, uh, they wanted uh, to happen. Now, Paul, first, uh, I have two questions. First off, I, I mean, um, I, I still believe that it was, it was, uh, Al-Qaeda was involved and that it was a plane. I, 
I appreciate this uh, interesting information. But what 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 would the government have to gain by um, by by doing this to the Pentagon? And then also, I, I don't believe the government seems that competent of pulling off these, um, you know, pretty crazy scenarios, you know, attacks on itself. There's a lot of cover-up that would be especially, involved. Especially Bush and his crew. Yeah, I mean, there, it just seems like there's been so many mistakes in our government, you know, our ability to handle things. I just don't believe that they, first off, we even have the competence to pull this off or even the motive. Well, you know, if we don't have the competence to pull it off, then then I would say that 19 hijackers who've never flown commercial aircrafts would be equally as, as well, incompetent. Well, I'm saying to, 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 cover, to pull it off and cover it up. Uh, obviously, we'd have the competence to fly a plane into a building, but to, to, to frame all these, um, these uh, terrorists and then to also cover it up to have no one come out with any information it seems like a lot of work, a lot of cover-up that would... Um... There has been plenty of people that have come out with information. There's been scores of people who have come out with information. All you need to do is go to your computer, type in Flight 77 or, or, or anything that, that remotely resembled what happened on 9-11, and you will get, you will get so many experts who have given testimony of right. why the the official scenario was impossible was yep. literally impossible okay and 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 if if 19 terrorists are smarter than the United States government then I'm then I'm here to say it's it's been shocking that we are still standing as as a nation well you you bring up a lot of uh a lot of interesting Paul uh points Paul why do you think uh they why do you think they to, what do you think their final motive was, the, the faction of the government that you claim was uh, responsible for this? I think that the reason why this whole thing was done was a false flag attack so that they could declare war and make billions of dollars on the war. Okay. That's exactly the reason why I think it happened. All right. Well, uh, Paul, we got to take a quick commercial break. Uh, thank you very much for uh, calling in here and talking about your film. Make sure you guys uh, check out SevereVisibility.com. Check out Paul's film. Uh, a lot of interesting information there. Thank you, Paul. Thank you. My pleasure. All right. All right. So what do you think, Logan? Pretty interesting. I think yeah, I'm in between you guys. Like, I, I think there's more to the story that we don't know, but I don't. I'm I with, just don't. I'm with you. I don't think the government did it. I just that don't think life is ever that interesting. It never seems that life works out to be that that crazy or that. Oh, you know, life is this spectacular. <laughs> All right, we got I, a phone call here, Logan. I got to pick this up. Hello, you're on the green room. Hey, what's up? This is Billy Mays. Hey, Billy, how's it going? Hey, hey uh, thanks Good, for calling man. in. Uh, can you just hold on for? Uh, Two seconds here. I got to do a quick commercial, but uh, can you just hold tight for a second here? Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. Thanks, Billy. All right. Thanks. All right, Logan. Well, you know what the music means. It's time to talk about LegalZoom. LegalZoom.com, the leader in self-help legal services. We have Billy Mays on, the son of Billy Billy Mays, and. Uh, yeah. Hey, if you're an inventor, you need a patent. If you're an inventor and you need a trademark, 
make sure you just check out LegalZoom.com. Great prices. You're going to save up to 85% than you would than you would pay by going to a lawyer. But of course, LegalZoom is not a law firm. They provide self-help service at your discretion. You can get a special discount if you go check it out there. If you're an inventor, you got a great business, you're thinking of starting, you need protection. Okay? You need your patent. You need your trademark. You need your DBA. Get it at great prices, Logan. You tell them, Sean. And make sure you, you tell them your buddy Sean Green sent you. Get that special checkout at discount, or special discount at checkout, <laughs> putting green in the referral code. Mm. All right, Billy. Thanks for calling in, man. Hey, what's up, guys? Nothing much. We're How you uh, doing? we're here with uh, Billy Mays the Third. Um, right. You can see him on uh, Pitchman on the Discovery Channel. So what's it uh, what's it like being a television star now, Billy? Oh, you know, I'm getting stopped in every airport asking for autographs. It's crazy. No, I've been I've been recognized once from the show, which is, which is amazing. <laughs> now, now, who recognized you? <laughs> I was actually an older couple on the flight. I was going out to L.A. This older couple was like, this might seem like a weird question, but <laughs> are you on TV this week? And I was like, as a matter of fact, I was. Yeah, that was a... And I gave them the whole rundown. It was cool. Nice. Yeah, I, I just uh, watched that episode last night. I was catching up on my TiVo. Um, oh, nice. Billy Mays III, uh, he, you you got to direct a commercial for uh, your uncle's uh, pizzeria, and your dad, Billy Mays, got a star in it. Uh, how was that? How was yep. that? Describe the process of directing Billy Mays. Oh, uh, well, you know, for me, it's easy. He kind of—I'm like the only person that I listen to. You know? <laughs> yeah, he seemed to be he a little—he seemed to be a little pushover for you. Meanwhile, the normal yeah. director Sully—he seems way more stubborn. <laughs> yeah, he pretty much just starts stuff with Sully just to just to get on his nerves, you know. Now your um your dad's been in uh, obviously um, been a pitch man for a long time, but it seems as of recent. Especially with the the advent of this show, and you know the ESPN um, commercials, mm-hmm. his OxyClean thing, uh, he really seems to have become a cu- cultural phenomenon. How is that? Has that changed your life at all? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I'm kind of like I've been working with him um, just straight on like publicity and stuff. I just want to, I try to make sure that we're in on the joke instead of you know, instead of him getting made fun of and stuff. So. Yeah, no, that's the I, thing. I make, he, I make sure that he keeps a sense of humor about it. And he, he like that's why he did like the ESPN thing and all that stuff. So you you advise them to go forward with a, the ESPN. We actually have thing? a website coming out. We actually have a we actually have a website coming out that's um, be like a fan site, just like fun stuff, videos and merchandise and. Yeah, I got to say that's one of the the Billy Mays. Um, ESPN commercials is one of my favorite commercials. One of my, you know, my buddies. We all lo- really enjoy it. And I think the Pitchman Show. What was cool about that was, you know, you got to see Billy Mays a personality, obviously, from the commercials and from him pitching different products. But then, you know, the the reality show. You kind of got to see the full mold of him as a guy. Um, yeah, that was that was a really important thing for the show. You know, people just see him as like this character, and it's like so not who he is. You know. So what do you, you say? That's not how how he is per se. How do you? What do you? What do you think is the biggest difference between Billy Mays the persona and Billy Mays the dad? Well, there's one huge difference is that he's like he's really super quiet. Oh really? You wouldn't think oh, really? that, but you know, if he gets a crowd, he might um or you know a group of people, he might start like uh, being a little loud and funny. But he's really a, he's really a quiet guy. I mean, he has a he has a little three year old daughter at home, my little sister. Yeah, no, that's he's what I like. 
It's like a, he's like a gentle person, you know. Yeah, like no, that's, bear. that's what I noticed from just from watching the episode where you were on. You seem way more laid back, you know, young kid doing the directing work. You mm-hmm. seem real laid back. And then uh, Billy, he, you know, he, he has this, um, yeah, like a true pitchman. You can just see he had that same, he must have had that same attitude when he was on the Atlantic City boardwalk where once the camera goes yeah. on, you can tell he just goes into this mode where Billy May's right. here and he's got the hand motions. He's just on it. He's just constantly in that sales it's mode not, once the camera's you know, on. Kind of, he puts a switch and it's just like on, you know? Yeah, that's great. I, uh, the what was cool about the um the last episode that I saw I didn't see the finale uh but your your grandfather uh Billy Mays the original he uh he like Kenny Rogers right what's up he Just looks like Kenny up. Rogers right yeah exactly yeah he's got the, <laughs> he's got that giant beard and he he's got this Hawaiian yeah. shirt and just seems like a super laid back guy uh he oh, had, you, he's a, that guy's a mountain man he lives in the mountains in Pittsburgh and like eats all um. Eats all natural foods, grows his own food. He's like a really, he's like, he's like 10 times as quiet as anyone I've ever heard. Like, really? They couldn't even get words for him to say, you know? (laughs) Yeah, he just seemed to be sitting there watching his invention. He, he made this invention. I don't know how to explain it, but it's like, they call it, um, turn, don't burn. Turn, don't. Yeah, it's a, it's a lounge chair that you lay in and then just rotates around clockwise so you get like an even tan. And, uh, exactly. you know, it's it's an interesting nice. product, but it was just great to see, you know, I don't know, just see the whole lineage there. And it's invented like 20 years ago. Oh, really? So it kind of just resurrected it for the show, you know, like to to, to include him somehow. Right. Pretty now, much. Yeah. Now, my favorite part about that episode, obviously, was the hot chicks. They, they get these three smoking hot chicks and one guy, I guess you got to, you know. <laughs> appease all demographics there <laughs> but uh, just these three insanely hot guys and then it's the three billy mays and sully just sitting there watching these chicks rotate on a lounge chair and then getting their thoughts on tanning <laughs> it was great well it wasn't my least favorite day of shooting I'll tell you that. <laughs> now, yeah now billy did you get um were you able to were you able to get involved there in the casting process at all it was um it was kind of a last minute casting thing they kind of just called up some chicks like some models and they showed up at the house, and it was kind of like a low-budget thing. So they just kind of came in, they, and we used, like, our bedrooms as dressing rooms. Wow, it, was, nice. it was really, like, it wasn't it wasn't very uh, professional. <laughs> it, it looked like it was, you know, like they were waiting to go into, like, do a porno or something. Not that I know what that's like. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, the chicks, uh, the chicks were just great. You could just tell they're like, yeah, I love this. Oh, my God, my tan's so even. Oh, yeah, it was, it was a highlight. Uh, yeah. Highlight of the series for me so far. Now... I saw you doing some directing there, and obviously you've done a lot of production, you know, PA work um, for the show and for yeah. the infomercials. Well, is that something you want to look to do as a career? Is that is that what you want to get into, directing? You know, i got to be honest. I'm, like, I'm all over the place at the moment. Like, you know, I've, for the last, like, two years I've been doing, like, the production stuff, um, building sets and working on set. But, you know, I also do music. I, um... I work with an artist out in L.A., actually, a rapper. He's oh, from really? L.A. Named Cameron Gray. He's actually in Ohio now. CameronGray.com. Check him out. All right. CameronGray.com. And, check uh, him out. Yeah. And uh, I do my own music, too, and uh, do some writing. I'm kind of all over the place. I'm like a jack-of-all-trades and a master of some, you know? Well, there you go. I mean, you seem to... Uh yeah, you seem to have a lot of uh, ingenuity. You seem to have a, a good eye for the commercial. What kind of uh, music stuff do you do? Do you play guitar? Do you play an instrument? 
Yeah, I play guitar. I have a little studio in my house, and I just kind of do a lot of electronics and uh, just really chill music, you know. Nice. Now a lot of layers. So now here's what's going on. You're a musician. You do the music thing. You got the artist thing going. Billy May's kid. Now you're getting on TV. Are you getting? Are you getting girls? How's that working out for you? Uh, you know, I've had a few callers recently, <laughs> but I'm kind of in a in a steady relationship at the moment. Oh, all right. So I kind of keep that to like uh, a few Twitter friends, <laughs> stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, you know. No. Hey, hey, baby. You know, it's show business. You gotta, you know, you gotta appease the fans. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I gotta keep the image that I'm, that I'm single, I guess. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to you don't want to be breaking hearts out there when they find that Billy Mays the Third yeah. is taken. Man, you don't you don't want to lose potential customers. Now your exactly. dad, your dad. Um, I first well, first I got turned on your dad from watching the, um, you know, obviously the infomercials, but then hearing him going around, like hearing him on the Adam Carolla show, you know, I really got to hear his personality, and I I really yeah. enjoyed listening to him. My favorite part was. Um, on his recent appearance on the Corolla show and he's and even on the the Conan show that he did recently uh he, yeah yeah I love how he just calls out the ShamWow guy totally calls out the ShamWow guy <laughs> yeah. he's willing to throw down to a pitch off anytime and as a consumer I gotta say a man that that that's willing to go to war for his product I'm buying yeah uh, you know that's good there's kind of a whole story behind it there's kind of a whole story behind it but I try not to comment on the on Vince the Shamwow guy too much. Oh well, I'll I'll co- I'll comment for you. Um, what what happened with Vince? You know, obviously it was all over the news. Vince uh, got involved with the prostitute. Uh, she ended up biting his tongue, and then you know, well, obviously this is all allegations. Uh, and then yeah. he ended up hitting her. There's a whole thing, and uh, you know, which is, I mean. <laughs> It's just, let, me, let me just tell you how. Let me tell you how this whole story uh, came into play, real quick. It's a short story. Oh yeah, sure. Give my us dad, the backstory. My dad and Toya, my dad and at the Super Bowl in Tampa this year, and um, they happened to go into a, a box, into a private box, and Vince is in that box too because it's a company that it's a media company that oh, they both no. use. So Vince is kind of kind of a cocky guy, apparently, <laughs> and. Uh, See that's the difference. You no, know, my think- dad goes up to him. My dad, my dad's nice. He goes up and talks to him, and you know, my dad signed autographs all the time. And apparently, Vince didn't want to didn't want to talk to anyone. <laughs> the Shamwell guys. They, they above- had a few words. They had a few words in the box, <laughs> and um, basically, Vince crossed the line just in in uh, casual conversation. Crossed the line somehow. <laughs> I'm not going to go into how. And my dad said, you know, one more word, and it's going to be your last. And then that was about it. And ever since then, my dad's kind of. Been wanting to just tear him down. Vince, Vince is a marked man. Nice. See, that's what I like about yeah. awesome. well, your dad. Seems like it a, looks like. Sorry. Good. No, I, I was stepping on you. What were you going? With? Yeah, it looks like the fates are taking care of Vince, you know, for us. So. <laughs> that's just so amazing that this the ShamWow and and the um and the the chop slap or whatever that the, those two just success from that alone has just gone to his head so far he's above signing autographs he's above <laughs> he's he's going out of his way to start feuds with people he's he's living high with you know getting high expensive prostitutes, prostitutes. your dad on the other yeah. end seems like uh, honestly comes off as like a genuine decent guy i think he kind of gets it or whatever you know and he seems yeah. you know even he just seems totally friendly, shaking everyone's hands, signing really autographs. I mean, he actually he'll go out of his way to, 
you know, traveling with them nowadays at the airport is getting really ridiculous. Like everyone stops and turns, you know, half the people come up to them. You're going to be on TMZ. You realize say, that. Hey. <laughs> what? I said, you're going to be on TMZ. You do realize that <laughs> there's going to be some yeah. TMZ guys going up to, going up to your dad. He was you. on TMZ actually. He was, he was up in New York and they got him. They got him coming out of a French restaurant. <laughs> That's great. And that was his first time. But you know, my dad, he kind of goes out of his way to, um, he carries around pictures to autograph for people all the time. And even if they don't even ask for anything, he'll just kind of like pull them out and, you know, he'll talk to anyone. He's, he's just a down to earth guy from Pittsburgh, you know. Yeah, right. I mean, I, I grew up in Pennsylvania. I could, I'd know a million guys like your dad. He seems, uh, sincere and genuine. Now, having Billy Mays as your dad, you know, like you said, he's, he kind of, um, super loyal guy. You know he can can get vocal and stuff. As a dad, was there ever a time where he he really stood up for you? Or I'm just I'm just imagining all these scenarios, like as a little league coach or at a parent teacher conference, where he he kind of turned on that salesman mode and really really got into it. Well, he wasn't really that kind of dad. He was kind of uh, always traveling the world, and you know because he was a pitch man. He was going to every home show, every home gun show. So the part of my dad that I got when I was young was come to town for a few a few days or a few weeks for a carnival and then just buy everything for me that I could want, like any <laughs> toy, like when I'm younger. So I was like, yeah, oh, yeah, he had the easy part of the parenting, you know. <laughs> My mom kind of took care of the rest. So was that... Was but that then, when of- I was eight, then when I was 18, he he, uh, he put me in college and let me move in down here in Florida with him. And since then, I pretty much just had all the opportunities I could ever ask for, you know. So he's just always looking out for me. That's awesome. Well, that's great. Um, now... Your grandfather invented the turn don't burn. Uh, has has your has your father invented anything? I know, obviously, he sold a lot of inventions. Has he invented anything himself? You know, I don't think he's ever invented anything himself. I think he 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 calls himself a miner. You know, he he sits through all the coal to look for you know that one piece of gold. Yeah, you know, we get products. We get we get so many products a month that he he pretty much just has his pick of every new invention that comes out and i'm even starting to get them now so i think it's just he just kind of sits back and waits because he knows there's there's people who are putting their life behind the product yeah they'll just give it to him and he can make them he can take them to the next step instead of him pushing on one product he can just push on them all you know exactly yeah my dad never invented anything he invented the zit (laughs) football league which was a pickup Football league, and his nickname was Zit, so he called it the ZFL. That was that was the limit of my dad's inventing. <laughs> so now, do you do you have any do you have any advice for young inventors out there, people trying to get a product sold? You know, I mean, I've, I've actually been getting a lot of inventions to myself. You know, from networking on Twitter, a lot of inventors find me, and I, the one thing I say is, make sure when it gets to us, it's a it's a working prototype at the least. You know, I don't want people coming to us with ideas because we can't really do anything with an idea. And um, an important thing is, if you want to come to my dad and you want him to be the spokesperson, it's got to be, it's got to be the cheapest it can be made wise, so you, we can sell it for a good amount. Because yeah, my dad's not going to sell something in a in a two minute format that's going to cost like fifty or sixty bucks. You know, he, he tries to keep it to nineteen ninety nine. So, you know, right. I'm just saying, keep your cost down in building. You know, that's probably Billy Mays' pin code nineteen ninety nine. Now I uh that was one of my favorite that was one of my favorite parts of the show is when people would come in and say uh I even from the episode I watched last night they're like oh tug on this this will not break this will not break and then your dad reaches over grabs it and then of course it breaks and they're like oh sorry about that yep. 
It's like you don't you don't yeah. need to apologize, but just do you not test that? Just walk away. <laughs> well, do you not test that basic yeah. premise? Like the guy the guy walks in with this um, garbage bag for under movie seats, which you know that's a good idea. Yeah, yeah. It's a good idea, maybe for like a, a business to business, probably wouldn't sell well, uh, you know, over an infomercial, um, but. He goes, yeah, this is a leak-proof bag. Look at this. He opens a bottle of water, pours it in, and then, of course, right away it starts leaking. How do you not – how is that not tested on yeah, the, how do you not test on the ride over? <laughs> their, pitch was, their pitch was going well, too, those people, and it just happened to fall apart at the demo, you know, I mean, which is the most important part. So right, I don't know what was going on. <laughs> that just cracked me up because it was like, all right, obviously this is the main part of it is that it doesn't leak. How, how do you how do you not even test this this specific <laughs> bag before you head out the door? It was just amazing. Yeah. Um, so Ridiculous. what out of the uh, Pitchmen show so far in the series? What has been your favorite moment from uh, working on the show and uh, being on the show? Well, um, obviously a high point for me was when I got to direct because that was one of the few times on the show that that the way they show it is almost minute for minute how it happened because it, we weren't there that long. And it was one of those things where they, they didn't have any time to, like, pull any other kind of story out of it. They just had to they had to show what they saw, you know? Yeah. So it kind of just, that was one that I was really happy with. And then other than that, you know, the crew was cool. And I just, you know, it's, it's, it's had a lot of perks. We got, I got to fly out to Conan and, and with my dad and Sully, and that was, like, that was really great. And what we, was that? Did you, get to, uh, did you get to hang out with Conan at all or talk to any of the uh, any of the people on Conan's show? What was that like? After the show, you know, we, we took... We took pictures with Conan and Max and Andy Richter and Lisa Kudrow from Friends, and it was, it was cool. We didn't really get to talk to Conan. He's kind of a quiet guy too. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, he was kind of like he was kind of like hiding out before the show. But the one cool thing was <laughs> the night before on the show they did a world's largest mugshot of Vince from Sam Wow. They blew up his picture of his mugshot, <laughs> and the, the producers took us back, me and my dad and Sully. <laughs> to it and we, we, we got pictures of him in front of it like punching the picture <laughs> oh I'd love to see your <laughs> dad's awesome. expression on his face when he saw the giant mugshot of Vince he's like yeah Zorby rules yeah. death to ShamWow <laughs> Zorby <laughs> yeah alright well uh, Billy what can I what can I promote for you what do you got going on well um, I already mentioned CameronGray.com that's one um I got I'm, me and my dad are both on Twitter. I got my dad to start tweeting, which is pretty funny. Nice. So yeah, I got um, to follow him on uh, Twitter there. Yeah, real Billy Mays. So <laughs> at real Billy Mays, and I'm I'm young Billy Mays on there, and you know that, but the, the public doesn't. Yeah, there you go. And, Check it out. Yeah, so I just hit those up and stay posted. It's pretty nice. It's it's pretty nice sharing with everyone what's going on because everyone seems to be interested. So. All right, cool. Well, um, thanks for coming on, Billy. And, uh, yeah, if you know, um, our show is actually sponsored by LegalZoom. I don't know if you heard me reading the commercial, but... I, I heard, yeah, I heard the commercial. Yeah, they, um, they're a great company. They offer uh, patents, trademarks. So if you ever hear of anyone that needs a uh, patent or trademark, you know, it's a great price. And if they use green from uh, Sean Green, the green room, they get a discount at checkout. So if anyone's, uh, right. any inventors listening to the show now, make sure you check that out. Uh, thank you for uh, any inventors. What's up? All right, man. I'll, be, I'll definitely pass that along to any inventors that come to me without a patent. So. Yeah, exactly. And uh, thanks a lot for coming on, Billy. Uh, I'll yeah. talk to you in the future. Thanks for having man. Me, guys. Take care. All See right, later. Thanks. See ya. That was pretty cool. Yeah, what'd you think, Logan? 
Pretty interesting guy. Yeah, exactly. We've really run the gamut here. Me um, railing about Michael Jackson to a 9-11 <laughs> conspiracy to uh, pitching. That's right. Pitchman. So, Logan, you got a haiku going or what? I do. All right. Well, uh, I'll do a quick read on LegalZoom, and then we'll come back with uh, Logan's haiku. Sean Green here. Some questions. Are you a young inventor? Do you have a product? It's ready to go. You want to take your product to Billy Mace. You got it ready to go. But you want, you heard young Billy Mace. You heard what he said. Don't come with some unauthorized prototype, some some half-baked idea. You want something that's ready to go. Ready to be used in commerce. You need a patent, buddy. And hey, you're not, you're not a corporate bigwig. You don't got a lot of cash. Save some money, man. You can save up to 85%. 85% than what a typical lawyer would ask. You'd just be stupid not to use LegalZoom.com. That's that's really what should be going on here, Logan. You're stupid not to use LegalZoom. And you'd be an idiot not to trademark with LegalZoom. Or start your DBA. <laughs> and not only... LegalZoom is... Ch- I'm in Billy Mays mode right here. LegalZoom's cheap already, but we're going to throw in the extra discount. Green! LegalZoom, the leader... And self-help legal services. Of course, LegalZoom is not a law firm. No, it's not. All right, Logan. You got ready? You got ready here for the haiku? I got ready. All right. <laughs> that was not the best English. Okay, <laughs> here we go. Here's my haiku. Enjoy it. George Bush killed MJ. Molesting in heaven now. Billy Mays was cool. Okay, that'll do it for the show. (laughs) Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Every Thursday, 8 o'clock, LA Talk Radio. Thanks for listening to The Green Room. Follow The Green Room at twitter.com slash greenroomshow. And make sure to check out legalzoom.com for all your self-help legal needs. Referral code GREEN for The Green Room discount.